Introduction. I quote, Too many Christians think that the kingdom pertains only to the sweet by and by and is of little relevance in the hectic here and now. Poor Bible teaching in some circles has intensified the problem. There are some, for example, who believe that the Sermon on the Mount belongs only to a yet future kingdom age. The result has been spiritually debilitating. To declare Jesus' Sermon on the Mount irrelevant to this age is to cut the heart out of the Lord's own instruction to his people. These principles are the present marching orders for all those who are true subjects of the king. End quote. From the Beatitudes, The Only Way to Happiness by John MacArthur. The Beatitudes need to become the fabric of our understanding. They must be at the core of our beliefs. They are foundational to our thinking about life. It is no wonder that the Beatitudes are the opening remarks of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Our theme this night is that we as Christians are a blessed people, though we might not always feel that way. The greatest blessedness that one can know is to be a part of God's kingdom. That is the emphasis of tonight, that we are a blessed people in being a part of God's kingdom family. Now, to keep that in mind, we note that the Beatitudes are countercultural, meaning that the Beatitudes go against everything that our society, our culture, holds dear. The Beatitudes run contrary to conventional wisdom. Those who are a part of God's kingdom and those who are not a part of God's kingdom view blessedness in quite different ways. And I'm going to drive that home with a number of different comparisons. But the Christian worldview and the non-Christian worldview couldn't be farther apart. They are, in essence, direct opposites. And there is nowhere that that direct opposite or contrary view is better seen than in people's perception of what it means to be blessed, to be a blessed people. Isaiah 55, 7 through 9, very familiar verses. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So that the only way that we acquire a Christian worldview is through a study of the Word of God. Left to our own reasoning, left to our own contemplation, left to our own understanding, we are going to come to quite different conclusions about what blessedness consists of than if we give ourselves to the careful study of God's Word. So A, the Beatitudes of our culture might be summarized as follows. Here's a series of three ways that I've tried to depict how different the Beatitudes are from our cultural setting. So the Beatitudes of our culture might be summarized as follows. Blessed are those who climb the corporate ladder, for they will have a comfortable retirement. Blessed are those who invest shrewdly, for they will have a second vacation home. Blessed are those who are born into fine families, 
for they will enjoy countless advantages. Blessed are those with a good education, for they shall occupy greater positions in life. The Beatitudes run contrary to the understanding of the good life, of what we want out of life. Such as, blessed are the cool. Now, I know that that's outdated language, but I'm an outdated individual. So, uh, those of you who can bring that into a, a, a more acceptable vernacular, put your own word in there. But for my antiquated thought, blessed are the cool, for they shall have friends. Blessed are the good looking, for they will meet with immediate acceptance. Blessed are those who satisfy their personal desires, for they shall be fulfilled. Blessed are the greedy, for they shall get more out of life. Blessed are the quick to anger, for they shall not be taken advantage of. Blessed are those who stand up for their rights, for they will not be walked over. These are values that our society really holds dear. The Beatitudes of this world stand in stark contrast to the Beatitudes of Christ's kingdom. So here now are a comparison, a reworking, if you will, of the Beatitudes as we find them in Scripture with the Beatitudes that are commonplace in the mindset of our culture. So, blessed are the self-confident, for they shall get ahead in life, as opposed to Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are always happy, for they will be at peace with themselves and others. As opposed to, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The world's view. Blessed are those who are aggressive, for they shall win out over others. The scripture's view. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. The world's view, blessed are those who work hard and obtain great material wealth, for they will be fulfilled. The scripture's view, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The world's view, blessed are those who get even, for they shall not be taken advantage of. The scripture's view, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The world's view, blessed are the sexually active. For they shall have fun. The scripture's view. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. The world's view. Blessed are those who stand up for themselves. For they shall be called self-reliant. The scripture's view. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. The world's view. Blessed are those who take no moral standards. For they shall be viewed as tolerant. And shall occupy positions of great authority. The scripture's view. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then lastly, the world's view. Blessed are those who are well liked and praised. For they will experience the acceptance and admiration of others. This has been exemplified in all of the great leaders. As opposed to, blessed are you when men cast insults at you. And persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, many of these thoughts are found in kernel form 
in the book Unexpected Blessing by Cameron Lee. And I finally end by quoting directly from his work. The many advances that we enjoy that supposedly should make us happier have not necessarily made the world a better place. This pursuit of happiness that the world has undertaken hasn't proven to be very happy or blessed. Number one, for never has a century known such abundance or such massive genocide and environmental destruction. Never has a culture experienced such comfort and opportunity or such widespread depression. Uh, it's amazing. The more and more that we have in a materialistic society and world, the less happy people seem to be. The more discontent people seem to be. runs contrary to all that our world holds dear. Never has the technology given us so many conveniences or such terrible instruments of degradation and destruction. Never have we been so self-reliant and so lonely. Uh, we really do live in, in isolation. Though communication is far easier and greater than any time in history. When you think of the ability, uh, you know, uh, it must have been incredible when uh, the telephone was invented and you could send a message. And then it went from, you know, also, of course, uh, Pony Express to a, a daily mailing a letter. But to try to get a letter uh, overseas or to make a phone call overseas, tremendously difficult. Now we have Skype. Now we have uh, email. Now we have uh, Twittering. We have all kinds of, of ways to keep in touch. And yet, we're told that people are more lonely than ever. That somehow that form of keeping in touch hasn't really produced the, the bonds of uh, identity with others that are, that are truly satisfying. Never we seem so free or our prisons so overstuffed. Never have we had so much education or such high rates of teen delinquency, despair, and suicide. Uh, our, our thought that education was going to solve the world's problems has proven to be uh, desperately uh, ill-placed. Just because people are better educated doesn't mean they're better people. There, our world thinks that the answer to evil is to teach people to do good. It's just a matter that people are basically good. And so if you present to them what's the right thing to do, they're going to do it. Well, unfortunately, that's just false. It isn't because people don't know better. It isn't that people don't know you shouldn't lie. Or they don't know that you shouldn't steal. Or they don't know that you shouldn't be selfish. It isn't a matter of intellect. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of willfulness. It's a matter of sinfulness. And again, nothing could be farther apart in our view and the Christian worldview and the secular worldview, especially when it comes to goodness and what it means and how a person is going to be turned around. Never have we been so sophisticated about pleasure or so likely to suffer broken or miserable marriages. We have more than any time before, and yet divorce stands high and people are 
incredibly unhappy and dissatisfied, even though they sit in beautiful homes and have all kinds of material things surrounding them. These are the best of times materially, but not for the human spirit. This is a quote from Unexpected Blessing by Cameron Lee. These are the best of times materially, but not for the human spirit. Could it be that even while we report ourselves to be happy, we are suffering a crisis of the human spirit? If this is so, then the pursuit of happiness, at least as we have come to understand it in Arnold Heim, may be a mistaken goal. Maybe people are going about seeking to be happy the wrong way. But we want to take a moment to look at the notion of blessedness. What is blessedness and wherein does blessedness consist? I begin with the problem of equating blessedness with happiness. Uh, You may have heard many people say that when you read the word blessed, think of the word happy. Well, that is tremendously an oversimplification. And I don't think it's very helpful, quite frankly. So, one of the things I'd like us to do is to avoid the temptation to take the word blessed and substitute for it the word happy. There is some correlation, but more harmful, I think, than, than helpful. Let me unpack that for you. What constitutes happiness? Again, from Cameron Lee. Quote, The unending pursuit of happiness is symbolized by the happy meal, a stroke of pure marketing genius. Every child wants to be happy, and happy meals send the message that all it takes is a little plastic toy that comes as a gift with your hamburger. And don't parents also want their kids to be happy? After all, the kid has to eat anyway, and it seems like such a small and convenient thing to do to bring a little happiness to a child's life, or at least to avoid anticipated unhappiness. In a matter of minutes, the half-eaten hamburger is thrown away. In a matter of days, the plastic prize is broken, lost, or entirely forgotten. But no matter, there is always the next happy meal and the next. Yet whatever happiness this pursuit may bring is unstable and short-lived. This is an illustration of a greater truth. Many of you have heard this illustration before, but for those of you who don't know, uh, I was a spoiled child. Uh, I had a brand new car about three weeks before my 16th birthday. Uh, I, from the time that I was 12, lusted after an Austin Healey. I had a picture of one on my wall. That was what I wanted. That was what was going to make me happy. That was going to be the greatest point of time in my life. Now, uh, it just so happened that uh, I had been able to save enough money, and that's a long story, but I was able to save enough money to pay for, I guess, about two-thirds of the car, and then my parents paid for the other third of the car. And three weeks before my 16th birthday, we went and we purchased this brand new Austin Healey. I wasn't even 16, so I couldn't drive it home. I rode in the passenger seat. My, my dad drove it home, and uh, I couldn't drive it because I didn't even have a permit. So I would sit out in the garage and play the radio. And by the time 
that uh, it was ready for me to drive. The battery was dead. And so I had to jump start it. But I had this car. And it was for four years. The thing that, that I knew if I had it, it was going to make me the happiest person on the face of the earth. And that was probably true for four months. And then I took my car back to be serviced. And uh, those of you who remember old uh, English sports cars, that was made by British Leyland. And another automobile made by British Leyland is the Jaguar. And I took my Austin Healey back to be serviced, and there sitting in the showroom was a brand new Jaguar. And my Austin Healey paled in comparison. And can you believe that all of a sudden, in my heart of hearts, I wanted a Jaguar. It wasn't satisfying. And this is what is being illustrated in the thought of what is going to make us happy. What is going to make us content? And I know I just said, don't equate blessedness with happiness. I'm getting there. Okay. But as we think about the world, the question is, what is going to make them happy? B. However, the issue is more than consumerism and materialism. It is, it is a perspective on all of life. You see, it's easy to focus on the materialism because that is readily seen and, and we can poo-hoo it. But it is a mindset that has to be constantly challenged and transformed. For example, it may not have anything to do with materialism. Maybe what someone says is for me to be happy, I just really need good health. And the person who doesn't have good health feels themselves as being oppressed and they, they're unhappy and they're miserable. Only I felt better. They don't want a vacation home. They don't want millions in bank accounts. They, they just want to, to feel better. And we prize in our society happiness more than anything else. And I have seen instance after instance when people are approaching close to death their loved ones' greatest concern is that they don't suffer. That they would be at ease. That, that they would have some kind of medication, preferably one that's going to just totally knock them out, so that they aren't going to know any pain because there's no greater value than to be pain-free. That doesn't work too well. In the Christian perspective, in the Christian mindset, where we are called to suffer, where we're called to sacrifice, where we're called to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. It's a world of difference. And that's what we're going to be stressing in the weeks to come. B. To be blessed is more than to be happy. Why? Here's the simple reason. To be blessed is to be in a position of God's favor. When you are blessed, you are under the favor of God. Now, let me unpack this for you. Psalm 144.15. How blessed are the people who are so situated. How blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. So, the greatest blessing that you can have is to belong to God. And to abide under his favor, his protection. Number one, to be blessed stands in opposition to be cursed. 
Deuteronomy 30.19 I will call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have beset before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. Luke 6.28 Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Romans 12.14 Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So in the scripture... The opposite of blessing is cursing. To bless someone, the opposite is to curse someone. The opposite of abiding under God's blessing is to abide under God's curse. Secondly, to be cursed is more than to be unhappy. Now believe me, if you're cursed, you're going to be unhappy. But that is incredibly oversimplistic. To be cursed, to be under God's judgment, is the worst case scenario for a human being. And that is what stands in the opposite of being blessed. Therefore, being blessed is more than simply being happy. Being blessed is abiding under the favor of God. Abiding under the favor of God. So, C, wherein does this blessedness consist? To understand the Beatitudes, you must understand the one who gave us the Beatitudes, namely Jesus. Remember, these are Jesus' words and Jesus' teaching. The person of Lord Jesus Christ, the one who not only teaches but lives and models the Beatitudes. He models the Sermon on the Mount. He, in fact, does turn the other cheek, etc., etc. Jesus considers himself blessed. Do you consider Jesus to have lived a blessed life? How would you have liked to live Jesus' life? Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. However, Jesus was in a position of favor with God. And behold, a voice out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. And Jesus had a higher value than happiness. And that was to be found pleasing to God. And when he heard that God was pleased with him, that was the greatest source of joy that Jesus would ever know. Was Jesus always happy? And the answer to that is no. He was acquainted with grief. He was acquainted with sorrow. He knew a lot of hardship. But he viewed himself as blessed. Number two, Mary considered herself blessed, though life was quite difficult for her. Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has heard For he has regard from the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will call me blessed. She rejoiced. The Magnificat. That response to the message that she was going to give birth to the Christ child. And she glorified God and said, all generations will call me blessed. She was poor. 
before she gave birth to Jesus. And she was poor after she gave birth to Jesus. We know that because of the sacrifice that she gave when Jesus was born. She brought the sacrifice of a poor person. Turtle doves. For she could not afford anything better. And yet, she viewed herself as blessed. She was ridiculed. She was mocked. She was viewed by outsiders as one that had committed adultery. She was about to be put away privately by the one that was engaged to her, namely Joseph, and God intervened, and Joseph married her. But if you look at Mary's life, according to worldly standards... She would have a lot to grumble and complain about and to be miserable in. But she said that I'm blessed. Because she found favor with God. She found favor with God. Three, the importance of a clear understanding of the Beatitudes. A clear understanding and adoption of the teaching of the Beatitudes will affect our aspirations. What do we want to get out of life? What are our aims? Then how are we going to go about receiving these ends? You see, we all have to set standards. We all set goals. We all have ambitions. We all have hopes and dreams. We want happiness. We want contentment. We want fulfillment. We want what is best for our children. We want the good things in life. The question is, what are they and how are they to be obtained? Can I look back at my life And say, you know, if I've got this mansion, I've been blessed. Or if I've got this bank account, I've been blessed. Or if I have great fame, I have been blessed. I just read the most recent psychological studies of children have come to the conclusion that the greatest value in a child's life is to be known. Is to be known. To be famous is the highest value for children. So there is nothing better than to have a Facebook account where you have more friends than anybody else does. Or you've received more texts than anybody else has received. Or you are better known in your high school or your elementary school than anybody else is. To be known is the highest value. And it matters not what you're known for. Good or bad. That's irrelevant. It is being known. Being known. And so at the end of your life, you're world famous. Is that what is ultimately going to prove to be your satisfaction, joy, and delight? Number four, the nature of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are declarations. They are not commandments. If you don't remember anything else, remember this tonight. The Beatitudes are not eight ways to obtain happiness or blessedness. They are not that. If you read the Beatitudes with that kind of foundation or principle, you're going to be greatly misled. 
The Beatitudes are not eight ways to obtain happiness or blessedness. The Beatitudes are eight declarations of those who are blessed and wherein that blessing consists. In other words, if you are part of God's kingdom, you are to view yourself as blessed even when you read these Beatitudes. You are to view yourself as blessed and then it tells you why. So, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because you are a part of God's kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn. So, if you're a child of God tonight, you may have reason for mourning. Well, know that you are blessed. You stand in a position of God's favor. Why? For you'll be comforted. Because the Holy Spirit is going to minister to you. Because God's people are going to come alongside. Because there is a resource available for you that the world knows nothing of. Even as we have been in Thessalonians. And it says that we should not mourn the dead like those who have no hope. For us tonight who shed tears, there is consolation. That the world knows nothing of when they shed the same tears. For the same events and circumstances in their lives. We are a blessed people. Blessed are the gentle. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. That's a tremendous beatitude. I can't wait to unpack that one. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you, persecute you, and all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Nobody looks for those things. Nobody desires those things. Nobody wants those things. But when they come into our life, we should view ourselves as blessed. Which is quite different from saying, God, why has this happened to me? Why am I being treated so unjustly? Why am I being treated so unfairly? Why don't you care about me? Why aren't you concerned about me? Why are you letting this happen to me? That's the world's question. The Christian's response is, I am blessed of God. Because I'm going to have a great reward in heaven. Because there's more to just this life. So the... Beatitudes provide us with a foundation for a truly Christian worldview. Uh, Conclusion, taken from the Beatitudes for Today by James C. Howell. Quote, We can see the dawning of the kingdom of God is going to be far bigger than me and my spirituality. Jesus did not come to earth to dispense a few little nuggets to help me develop my spiritual self. Jesus' mission was cosmic in scope turning history itself on its ear, transforming not just me, but the universe. When Jesus sat on the mountain and told the disciples and the larger crowds, blessed are those who, he was describing blessedness quite simply as being near God, being in sync with God, snuggling up close to the truth, committed to follow in Jesus' way. The results will not seem blessed at all to those who never heard of Jesus. If we're going to live a life 
to the glory of God, we need to develop our confidence in the Beatitudes. We need to see where true blessedness consists. And it's being in the favor of God. Don't oversimplify it in simply talking about being happy. It's the difference between living a life of blessing and a life of curse, cursing. A life under God's favor or a life under God's judgment and damnation. Blessed are you if you're a child of God. Blessed are you if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heaven places in Christ according as He has chosen you in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be, uh, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to view ourselves as a blessed people. May we see even in the times of our difficulty that we are blessed by being able to call upon you and being a people that abide under your favor. Guard us in our Christian worldview that we would not seek after, long after, devote ourselves to obtaining that which the world is seeking to obtain for we know that it is empty and it is vain. Even as the preacher told us in the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Give us a desire to pursue that which leads to true blessedness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you are dismissed.